This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to the Life Study Program on Free FM 89.0. I'm Stuart Finlay. Life Study of the Bible is produced by Living Stream Ministry, Anaheim, California, and brought to you by the Church in Hamilton. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Scriptures. We have Ed Marks this week with Witness Lee for our program in the Life Study of the Gospel of John. The title is Life and Resurrection. The verses are John chapter 20 verses 23 and 24 and chapter 21 verses 1 to 14. If you'd like to contact us, our email is lifestudyprogram at gmail.com and we'll repeat this again later. Now here's Ed and Witness Lee. Ed, today in our opening section from Witness Lee, he's going to focus again on the process. This concept, if we don't understand it clearly, may seem difficult to our listeners because it seems to imply that God has changed, and we know that God in his being is unchanging. Can you help us to understand these two aspects? Yes, when we cover these two aspects, what we're touching is the mystery of the divine trinity. So what we need to do is look at the entire Bible and just say amen to whatever the Bible says about the triune God. On the one hand, uh, you know, people use this verse, Malachi 3.6, which says that God changes not. And this is true. Of course, if you look at the context of Malachi 3.6, it's talking about that God changes not in his principles, in the way that he deals with his people. But also we know that the Bible shows that God in his eternal being is unchanging. The Bible reveals that the triune God, the three of the Godhead, on the one hand, they are distinct. They are distinct. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are eternally distinct, but they also co-inherit. That means that they mutually indwell one another. The Father is in the Son. The Son is in the Father. The Father is in the Spirit. So the first aspect of the triune God we need to see is that from eternity to eternity, the three of the Godhead coexist distinctly, and they co-inherit inseparably. They mutually indwell one another. This is related to God essentially, God in his being. This is what many theologians call the essential aspect of the Trinity. God is unchanging in his being. He is eternally coexistent and co-inherent in an unchanging way. But there's also another aspect of the Trinity, which many theologians refer to as the economical aspect of the Trinity. 
what this aspect of the Trinity is, is God coming out in time to accomplish his economy. And his economy is his eternal plan, his eternal purpose. So what we see in the Bible is that God comes out in time to carry out his plan. When we see him coming out in time, we do see that he did change according to this viewpoint of time. The reason why we say this is John 1.14 says the word became flesh. That means the word who was God became something that he previously was not. When God came out of eternity into time to accomplish his plan, he became flesh. He put on human blood and flesh, which he previously did not have. In this sense, God did change. He became flesh. Why did he become flesh? He became flesh to pass through human living and to die a wonderful death on the cross for us, to shed his blood, to accomplish his judicial redemption, to redeem us from sin and to take away our sins. He had to become a man. 1 Corinthians 15.45 tells us that in resurrection, Christ as the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Here we have the word become again. Well, Christ, on the one hand, he became a man, and then in resurrection, he became the life-giving spirit so that he could come into our spirit and indwell us to be our life. This is the economical aspect of the triune God coming out in time to accomplish his purpose to dispense himself into man. This shows us the distinction between, on the one hand, God being unchanging in his eternal being, and on the other hand, God going through a process in time to carry out his eternal purpose. Thanks, Ed. That gives us a good foundation. Let's join Witness Lee in today's life study of John. Now, we all have to see through the incarnation, the human living, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension, he is now the very God which is absolutely different from what he was before the incarnation. And he could never be the same as he was in creation. He was in creation merely the very divine being, God. But after passing through the process of incarnation, human living, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, our God today is the process God. Forgive me to use this word. He's no more the raw God. R-A-W. Before his incarnation, I do believe he would allow me to say he was the raw God. And the raw God passed through all this process. So he became the process God. Let me check with you. He was God. Out of a sudden, one day, he got into humanity and stayed there for 33 and a half years. And he passed through all the human life. Please tell me, is this not a process? And then he was put into death. And even he was nailed on the cross. He entered into death, he visited death, he passed through death, and he stayed in death for a while, and eventually he walked out of death. You just tell me, was this not a process? Right. 
surely this was a process. Now he is a God with divinity, with humanity, with human living, with the wonderful, all-inclusive crucifixion, with the resurrection, and with ascension. All the uh, divinity, humanity, and all the virtues, attributes, attainments, and so forth are included in this wonderful person. And I tell you, this is our God today. This is our God. And this God today, in reaching us, in entering into us, is just the all-inclusive spirit. Praise the Lord. This is the precious God for our enjoyment. And today, we are just enjoying such a precious God. Praise Him. Ed, let's pause at this point. I want to ask you about this comparison we just heard of the God of creation being the raw God and the God of resurrection being the processed God. Why would the eternal God of creation need or want to be processed? We use the term process to show that God did go through a process in order to accomplish his plan to dispense himself into man. The reason why the eternal God of creation wanted to be processed and had to go through a process is because his desire is to dispense himself into man to be man's life and everything. On the one hand, he is the eternal God of creation. But we know that after creation, man fell. Man got poisoned with the element of Satan, which is sin. But God did not give up his original intention to dispense himself as life into man. But he had to deal with the problem of sin. So what did God do? God himself became a man. He put on human nature. This was a process. God himself actually, through the Spirit, was generated in the womb of a human virgin. This is a great miracle. God had to spend a full term in that virgin's womb and be born out of that virgin. This is a process that God had to go through in becoming a man. He passed through the process of human birth. He also passed through the process of human living, 33 and a half years of human living. He did this so that he could set up a model and a pattern of what the Christian life and the church life should be. He lived the life of a God-man. Then he went to the cross, and on the cross he took away the sin of the world. This was another marvelous process he went through. Crucifixion was a process that God had to pass through as a man in order to take away sin so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that the serpentine, satanic sin nature within man could be terminated and annulled. Then in resurrection, resurrection was another process that God passed through. In resurrection, he became the life-giving spirit so that he could enter into us to become everything to us for our enjoyment. Now Christ is in our spirit as the life-giving spirit to dispense himself into us to make us men of life. Thank you, Ed. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. After appearing to his seeker, ascending to his father, and coming back as a spirit to his brothers, 
Now he is continuing to be with his brothers. You don't have a record that he went away. Really, he never went away. After he braced himself in the disciples, he stayed, he remained in them. But sometimes his presence was not so conscious to the disciples. So there was the need of appearing. This coming here is not an actual coming, but the appearing of his presence. This time he came mainly to deal with the unbelieving of the disciple. By the print of his death remaining in his resurrection. Eventually the disciple Thomas believed that he was the Lord and he was also the very God. He came not only to deal with Thomas and believing, but also mainly to train the disciples in believing without seeing. Why? Today, in resurrection, his presence is not a visible presence. It's an invisible presence. So you have to believe without seeing. If you expect to see, then you believe you are wrong. You must practice to believe without seeing because today his presence is not like that when he was in the flesh. That was visible, but now the presence is invisible. So we all have to practice our faith to realize his invisible presence. Even we cannot see him, we have to have the assurance, surely he is with us. And he did this, according to Acts chapter 1, 40 days. He stayed with the disciples for 40 days just to train them to realize, to practice his invisible presence. Let's break in right here. Ed, this is a good point. The disciples had the Lord's physical presence for quite some time. But now, Witness Lee said that after his resurrection, he had to train them to know him in his invisible presence. Why did they need such a training? They needed such a training because they were so used to having the Lord, Lord's physical presence among them in the flesh. But in John 16, he told the disciples, it is expedient for you that I go away. In other words, it's expedient for you that I pass through death and resurrection. With his physical presence, the Lord could merely dwell among the disciples. But he wanted to pass through death and enter into resurrection to become the Spirit so that he could actually dwell in them and live in them. This is marvelous. So in John 20, 22, we see that in resurrection, what the Lord did was he breathed himself into the disciples. And he told them, he said, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. From that time, the Lord indwelt the disciples as the Spirit. He never left them. But in order to train them to believe in him and to live by him without seeing him, he had to manifest his physical presence to them at times to train them to enjoy and live by his invisible indwelling presence. 
This is why Peter says in 1 Peter 1.8 about Christ, he says, whom having not seen, you love. In other words, you don't see Christ, but you love him. Well, the disciples, the early disciples, they had the privilege of seeing Christ physically. We don't have that privilege. But we do have the wonderful privilege of living by Christ inwardly as the Spirit according to his invisible presence. Actually, this is much more real and much more precious than having his visible physical presence. The reason why I say this, in John 20, when the Lord appeared to Thomas, when Thomas saw the Lord physically, he exclaimed to the Lord, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to Thomas, Because you have seen me physically, you have believed. But then he said, Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. That's us. We believe without seeing. Why? Because the Lord lives in us as the Spirit, and it's by our human spirit that we can substantiate the Lord as the Spirit. And His being the Spirit is His invisible presence in our spirit, and we need to live by His invisible presence and walk by His invisible presence and enjoy His invisible presence in our spirit for our daily Christian life. Let's return to Witness Lee. One day, Peter, he was backsliding, and he took the lead to go back to the Word. He took the lead, all the others followed him. Not only so, I tell you, even the Lord followed him. I was laughing at this. The Lord didn't say, Peter, what? What are you doing? Are you going back? Are you backsliding from my call? Are you going to the sea? I will never go to you. You go on your own. I will never go to you. I tell you, the Lord Jesus was not like me. <laughs> not only the six brothers followed Peter, even the Lord Jesus followed him. They all went including the Lord Jesus. You know, I do believe Peter and the other six disciples went fishing because of their living. They might be short of some supply or not short yet, but they were concerned for this. So Peter said, I go fishing. And all the rest, we go too. And eventually the Lord Jesus said, me too. <laughs> they all went. They all went. Listen to this. Professional fishers, no doubt. From their youth, they learned, they were trained how to fish. So they are the real professional fishers. In a great sea, at the right time, for the whole night, <laughs> they caught nothing. Why? I do believe, the word doesn't say, but I do believe, by the whole night, the Lord Jesus gave the commandment to all the fishes. All little fishes, stay away. Stay away from this net. And they did. So they fished them. The face, the cast of the night, once, and a time, and a time, nothing. So, it was a miracle. 
Then at the word of the Lord, though not at the right time because that was morning already, they caught an abundance of fishes. Why? By this time, the Lord Jesus told all the fishes, fishes, all come back to the net. <laughs> and they got 153 fishes. America again. When the Lord Jesus called Peter, he did that by a miracle in fishing. Now, the Lord Jesus was recovering Peter back to his call also by a miracle of fishing. It's quite interesting. I do believe this was not only a miracle, but also a very good, shameful lesson to Peter. I don't believe Peter that morning took a peaceful breakfast. <laughs> and I do believe he was eating. He was eating shamefully. My poor Peter. Why you need to come fishing? Look, even 153 big fishes caught, the Lord wouldn't use that. No need of the fish from the sea. Here is the face. Prepare. Not only face, but bread for your eating. Isn't this a training? Isn't this a lesson? Suppose you are Peter, how would you feel about it? I think if I were Peter, I would uh, take out my handkerchief and cover my face. <laughs> the Lord was too good. Why? Because he not only prepared the meal, he served the breakfast. He didn't sit there, Peter, you see, breakfast ready. Help yourself. But <laughs> he served the breakfast. And he ate with them. It's quite meaningful. I tell you, this is the Lord Jesus. Without a word of rebuking, it is better than thousand words. And I don't believe for eternity Peter would forget this lesson. And in this last portion, we have a very personal and intimate scene between the Lord Jesus and the disciples, particularly Peter. The Lord is really wonderful in his dealing with Peter and his failure, isn't he? Yes, this is absolutely wonderful the way the Lord dealt with Peter here. And, and Peter obviously never forgot the way the Lord shepherded him in this instance. We have to realize that Peter had a terrible failure before this instance. He denied the Lord three times. Peter, of course, was a very absolute person, and he told the Lord that he would never deny him. And the Lord prophesied and told Peter, before this night's over, you'll deny me three times. And sovereignly, the Lord allowed Peter to fail so that Peter could be broken and learn not to have a trust in his natural strength, his natural absoluteness. Even there was a natural confidence in Peter in his love for the Lord that needed to be broken and dealt with. So Peter had just gone through this failure, and the Lord wanted to restore Peter and shepherd Peter and encourage Peter. So even Peter was so disheartened, that this portion tells us that he went back to his fishing business, which the Lord had called him out of. And actually, we can look at this passage and we can realize that Peter went fishing and the other brothers followed him, 
probably because they were concerned for their living. Well, this passage is really striking because the disciples fished all night, and they were professional fishermen, but they couldn't catch anything. And here the Lord manifested his presence to them, and he's on the shore. And he says, children, do you have anything to eat? And they said, no, we don't have anything. And then uh, he told them, he said, drop the net down on the other side of the boat. And, of course, the fish just filled the net. And at that point, John realized that this man on the shore is the Lord. And he looked at Peter and he said, it's the Lord. So Peter dove out of the boat and swam ashore because he was so excited that the Lord had appeared to them. And what's so remarkable is the way the Lord shepherded Peter here because when they come there, he's got breakfast waiting for them. And what is he cooking for breakfast? He's cooking fish. So he has fish on the land. They fished all night, but it was like he was telling them, you don't have to worry about your living. I've got fish on the land here waiting for you. And you're out there fishing all night. And the Lord also, at his word, when he gave the word for them to put the net on the other side of the boat, they had plenty of fish for their living, which he wanted to train them to trust in him for their living. So the Lord had fish and bread on the land for them. And he served breakfast to them and ate with them. This was a real shepherding. And here we know that the Lord restored Peter's love for him by asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, of course, wasn't that bold and confident as he had previously been. He said, Lord, you know. I don't know, but you know that I love you. And this was when the Lord gave Peter the commission to shepherd his sheep and to feed his lambs. So how could Peter ever forget this? Because the Lord had shepherded him here after he had this tremendous failure. And this is why in 1 Peter 5, Peter tells the elders, the leading ones in the church, he charges them to shepherd the church, the flock of God, according to God, the chief shepherd. So this is just marvelous, the way the Lord shepherded Peter in his failure and the way the Lord shepherds us in our failures and through our failures to restore our love for him and to restore our function in his body to feed his lambs and to shepherd his sheep. Thank you, Ed. I am so thankful to our Lord for opening his word in such a clear way. From start to finish in this program, we can see the two sides of the truth. God and his being has never changed. Yet in his eternal economy, John 1.14 says he became flesh. And in 1 Corinthians 15.45, says the last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit. This is why we can say that God today is the process triune God, because he passed through a process to bring his full salvation to us. At the end of John, we see this resurrected process God coming to a failed Peter to shepherd him and to restore his love. What a wonderful God we have. We're always happy to hear from you and to answer any questions you may have. We have copies of the recovery version of the New Testament with its accompanying footnotes available. These are free and we'd love to send you a copy. You can call us on Hamilton 853 2620 or you can email us at lifestudyprogram at gmail.com. If you'd rather, you can order a free copy from Bibles for New Zealand. That's at bfnz.org.nz. They also have a phone number. 0800 40 40 80. Join me again next week at the same time, 2.30pm, 
hoping we will have the next life study program in the book of John. Our closing hymn is I Need You Jesus and it's from the CD Divine Romance. You're listening to Free FM 89.0, a great station supported by New Zealand On Air. We hope you've enjoyed today's life study program and thank you for joining us. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.